Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Baylife Church Port Stevens. We hope you find this message challenges and inspires you in your daily Christian walk. For more information, visit www.baylifechurch.org.au. about um, you know what that looks like and, and for our lives and and uh, and but what godly influence is as well and, and just the four points we had that we have influence good or bad positive and negative uh, we are a church that wants to have a positive influence in our community and world that's our mission statement part of our mission statement uh, and that really each one of us individually personally can make a significant difference but together it's amazing what difference we can make. Um, another point we have there, we choose how we influence others. We make a choice. Whether we think we do or we don't, we actually choose how we influence others. Uh, one of the statements that I, um, uh, I made, positive influence isn't inactive, isn't reactive, but is always proactive. That word proactive is so significant in, in influence, in, in this series that we're going to be talking about. It actually, we have to want to move forward in this. We actually have to purposefully move forward, have intent in that. And and the key thought that I finish with, to be a real positive influence is being a real, a true disciple of Jesus Christ and a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And uh, if you weren't here, I would encourage you just to have a listen to that on our website or our iTunes. Um, you can download that or listen to that on, on there. Um, the core scripture we're using for this script, this particular series, is out of Matthew 5, verses 13 to 16. And it basically says, you are the salt of the earth, you know, and, and that you can lose your saltiness, and how can you be made salty again? You're no longer good for anything, thrown on the pile and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. To me, that sounds like Jesus is telling us we have influence. No doubt. You know, you are the salt of the earth. Salt brings is different. It brings change. It brings, it brings health. It, it, it makes things taste different. You know, it, it, give light to everyone in the house. Let your light shine before men that they may see the good deeds, your good deeds, and praise your Father in heaven. You see, we don't do good deeds because we're do-gooders, you know. Um, we do good deeds to, to point people to Jesus, to, to our God. And, uh, and, and over this series, one of the main keys I want to really reinforce is that we are influential for Christ. We are. How we live our lives is influential personally, and as the body of Christ, as the church. And, uh, and, and we must be proactive about this process. We have to be. We have to be moving forward. We have to be intentional. We have to push ourselves out of our comfort zone sometimes. You know? And a lot of my preaching is about that. It, it'll stretch you. It'll challenge you, hopefully. Um, and, make you, and, and I said last week, I want to make you uncomfortable sometimes. I want you to squirm in your seats. Because I, I think God can move in that when we get uncomfortable in our apathy and in our everyday habitual living of our lives, I'm telling you, God has a hard time speaking to us. But when we get uncomfortable, and I'm sure you found this, when you go through those tough times, God's just there. You just know, you know, not, you don't always 
seem there, of course, in, in, the, in the midst of it. But you just know God's with you in that process because you're seeking him. You, you, you're really just reaching out for him, just going, God, where are you? And, and he always makes himself evident in, in our circumstances. But when we're in the good times, I don't know about you, but I have difficulty really getting a hold of God in those good times. And, 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 and it should be all of our life, we should be seeking him with all our hearts. But part of this, the, the fun, foundational, fundamental understanding of this series has to be based on what a true disciple is and how we outwork that followership of Jesus Christ in our lives. And, and here's something I meant to say last week. And, and, and uh, again, as, you, as I've said, I, I like to make you uncomfortable. And this is my personal thought, okay? So uh, um, you might think it heret- heretical, but uh, here we go. I, I don't personally like the word Christian. Now, don't string me up. It's not heresy, I don't think. Let me explain a little bit before you make a judgment. Um, you know, in the Bible, Christians only three times. In the whole Bible. You think, that's not right. I'm sure it's more than that. No. Three times I checked it to make sure I was right. And here's what I, I think. Christian is such a subjective word. You know, what we think about a Christian before Christians and and after is based on our experience and our understanding and our knowledge of what that is. And uh, it's a little bit like saying, um, what is a dog to you? You know, what, what's a dog? And, and you'll have a picture in your mind straight away when I say to you, what is a dog? You'll either have a fluffy little dog or you'll have this big ferocious, you know, dog. And, and I think I even have some photos up there, just a couple of different things there. And, uh, you know, and, and, and so based on your experience, your uh, knowledge, your revelation, if you like, of what a dog is, you will have that picture in your head straight away of what a dog is. Okay, so, so there you go. So, so the same thing occurs in Christianity. And, uh, and the personal thing for me is that, that over the years, Christianity, you know, say if you went back 50, 60, 70 years ago, if you ask people what a Christian what they, who they think a Christian is or what a Christian is, that it would be mostly positive, wouldn't it? It, it? I think if you look back, traditionally Christianity has been a good thing. If you went back uh, a long way, there might be times where you think, well, the Crusades are on and Christianity is not a great thing. And, but if you went back a couple of thousand years ago to Jesus' time, um, here's the thing. Christians were first called Christians at Antioch by pagans. And, and I reckon it was a derogatory term. I reckon they were meant to be insults. Uh, Christianos, uh, the, the Greek word, was meant for little Christ. Just, you're just trying to, trying to reproduce what this Christ guy did. And, and I reckon it was actually uh, a negative term, not, not a positive thing. And, and for me, in the midst of being drawn to Christ, to, to making that decision to follow Jesus in my life, as an adult, I was about 33 at the time, and, and there was an internal conflict going on in me because of was holding back from making that decision because of what I'd experienced of Christianity in my life up to that point. And I'd seen legalism. I'd seen religious, mean-spirited, stingy people that called themselves Christians. And it influenced me because I didn't want to be like that. You see, we, I didn't believe when I read the Bible, even before I was a, a Christian, I didn't believe that's what Jesus Christ was saying to us in this, in this word. 
what God was saying to us in this word. And, and I didn't want to be like that. I wanted to be a follower of his, but I didn't want to be a Christian, if you understand what I'm saying. The other thing is, I didn't want to be a do-gooder. You know, somehow I got this, this thought of Christianity and do-gooders, and, and it just drove me crazy. Because, you know, truthfully, if you look at my life, there's a bit of rebelliousness in me. That's to be really truthful with you. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't form in easily to the norms. You know, I, I just don't. I, I like being a bit different. I like, I just do. And I don't know what it is in me, but, but I, I liked what I saw in Jesus Christ because he was okay with that. He, he was really cool with that. In fact, he actually acted that way as far as I could see. And I remember saying to Bruce Robbo, because he was a part of that, that decision-making process, starting to get a handle on, you know, God's love for me, starting to even start to get a handle of this Jesus paying the price for me on the cross, sort of starting to get that. So much easier. We just call ourselves something else but Christians. You know, it was any other word. I don't care what we call it, anything. And because uh, I had negative thoughts about what Christians were or are. And our view on Christianity can be such a subjective thing based on Christians we've encountered. And, and for a lot of people, and I touched on this last week, you know, a lot of people think of Christianity as what we're against. You know, when you become a Christian, all your freedom's lost. In fact, it's the opposite. When we become a freedom, we step, uh, a Christian, we step into freedom. When Jesus makes us free, we are free indeed. You see, it's the opposite to the way we often think about it. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. Jesus never invited anyone to be a Christian. Do you know that? I know it sounds controversial. I know it sounds out there. He didn't. And, and, and he, he, he invited us to be followers. He invited us to be his disciples. And that word disciple... Uh, I've got it written down here somewhere, and I'm getting ahead of myself here. But uh, it, 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 was, it was never intended to be just part of the description of who we are. It meant to be we are followers of Jesus Christ, him as our example to follow. And, okay, let, let me say this. Let me, let me try to explain it a different way. Christian music, Christian books, Christian bookshops. How do bookshops become Christian? I've never seen it happen. I've never seen them make that decision. You know, Christian was never meant to be an adjective. It was meant to be a noun, who we are, not a description of maybe who we could be, part of that description. No, we, if we are Christians, we are disciples of Jesus Christ. It's not... It's not maybe part of what we're made up. It's who we are, a noun. And, and I just think sometimes we get that mixed up, you know. And I think Jesus' description of who he wants us to be as followers or disciples is much more in line with the, the followership and the discipleship than being a Christian. Again, based on my interpretation of it, my understanding of it, my experience of it, you know. And... Uh, so, so don't, if I've offended you, I'm sorry, but, but that's just the way I think about this thing. Let me have a look at the scripture here, and, and maybe this might open this up a little bit more, because this is a, 
a significant challenge in this scripture. Luke 14, 25 to 28. Luke 14, 25 to 28. And I think I have got a screen here for you as well. It's out of the uh, New Living Translation. Great crowds were following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, If you want to be my follower, you must love me more than your father, your own father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters. Yes, more than your own life. Whoa. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. You cannot be my disciple if you do not carry your own cross and follow me. But don't begin until you count the cost. But don't begin till you count the cost. See, this is a heavy-duty scripture. This is a a big whack in the face, you know. And uh, if you want to be a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus Christ, you've got to love Jesus more than your own family, more than your own life. And that is, it's a radical statement. It's a radical position. And, and, And I don't know if you can get your head around that. You know, it's a difficult thing. And I can remember dealing with this back in my walk and thinking, nah, how can that be right? You know, I've got a great wife. I've got a great family. You know, I love them. And, and how can I love you, Jesus, more than I love them? And the revelation came to me one day when I was really just thinking about this and struggling with it. It was like, when I love Jesus more than my wife and my family, it allows me then to love them more. It actually opens up that agape love, that unconditional love. It's not conditional. If you do this, Robin, I'll love you. If, you, if your kids will do that, I'll love you. No. Through the love we have for Jesus, we then are more loving in our lives. And we are actually are better at loving our partners and loving our family. And it was this, this revelation for me. I finally got what that was a little bit about. Don't you begin until you count the cost. Think about that for a second. Don't begin until you count the cost because you, you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, it will cost you something. It will cost you something in your life. I'm telling you, it just does. And we want to be a positive influence in our lives, don't we? We we want to do that. We want to make a difference in the world. You have to be a disciple to do that. We have to understand it's going to cost us something in that process. It it, it will. It just will. And we've got to consider what that cost will, will be because our Christianity, our discipleship, our followership, isn't this just little play game? It's not just a facade we put on. It's not just something we do on Sunday morning. It's our lives. It's a commitment to follow Jesus Christ every day of our lives, to, to look at what he did, try to, to be more like him in, in the process of our lives. And it's going to cost you something. Somewhere along the line, it'll cost you something. You know, the Scriptures promise us that we will be persecuted. Wow, this is an encouraging message, isn't it? It's so encouraged this morning. We will be persecuted. And if you're not being persecuted now, at some point you will be. Or you need to have a look at how you're living your life because maybe, just maybe, you're not following Jesus closely enough to even step into that persecution. What's it going to cost you? I don't know. For some of you, it might cost you your job because you won't do what your boss is asking you to do and you know it's not the right way to go and you're resisting. And it might cost you that. It might cost you a promotion, you know. And, and if you are a, a radical follower of Jesus and... and uh, and you go, look, I'm not just not going to do that. It's not. I'm just not. And, and it might cost you that promotion. It might cost you relationships. It might cost you those people that you have had in your past somewhere and you just know the way they're going is not the way you're going. It'll cost you a relationship. Sometimes it might cost you popularity, kids at school, you know, young people at school. You know, you, you, you are different. You've got to understand that you are different to the world and you're going to stand out sometimes. And sometimes you're going to be singled out 
But guess what? Jesus said that's okay. You're going to be persecuted in your life somewhere along the line. You are different and it's okay. You're not going to look like the rest. You're not going to act like the rest. Because you're not of this world. You see? You're not of this world. You're of another world, the kingdom of God. And you're a follower of Jesus Christ. You are a disciple of Jesus Christ. In some parts of the world today, if you claim the name of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you'll be killed for that. You'll die for that. Wow. That's a challenge, isn't it? To think about that. You see, it's not some lukewarm, fair-weather Christianity. It's just not. But we are fully committed disciples of Jesus Christ. We are radically devoted to following Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who died so we could really live, really live in that freedom that he has for us. See, it's radical. And that word disciple, it's it's so much closer, I think, to what Jesus intended. You know, and and the Greek word, uh, I've got to remember how to say this, mathetes, Mathetes, that's it. And, and, and it means learner, pupil, disciple, or follower. And we've got to be a life learner for Jesus Christ. We've got to be a pupil of his. We've got to follow him closely. And our mission statement as our church is this, to reach and positively influence our community world by building, building a significant church that loves God, loves people, and loves life. And how do we do that? There's no other way but making disciples. There's no other way to do that. There's no other way to be influential but make disciples, followers, students, pupils of the living Christ in our, in our lives. And he is Lord, we follow, we pursue him. What he did, we do. So that's the only way to become a real positive influence in our community and our world. It's the only way that makes any sense to me. You know, it's not, it's not manipulation, it's not force, it's not pushing people. It's being who Jesus wants us to be, to follow him day in and day out. And then we can really be the difference that he wants us to be in this world. See, this series has got me fired up. I can tell you, I, I, I'm just, there's a, a fire burning in my belly. And, and, uh, and I hope I'm, you're not resisting me at the moment. Because I, I know I'm saying some stuff that you might be, well, I'm not sure about that. Well, just let God lead you in this process, you know. But, but what I, I really want to, to focus on is what is a true disciple? What does it look like? What, what, what does it mean? And, and we've got to remember this context we talked about last week. Jesus was the most influential person in history ever, forever, on this earth. But the truth is <laughs> what he did wasn't popular. It was counterintuitive. It was countercultural. And it was uncomfortable and radical for those around him. It was a different way of living. And church, you know, I'm just like you. I like the comfortable things in life. I like when there's not major challenge going on. I like when there's not conflict happening. Because I don't particularly like conflict. But I'm telling you, if we're following Jesus closely, there will be that. There will be that happening in our lives. But we have to position ourselves to recognize that persecution will come. It will. But we've got to stay close to Jesus on the way through. Our Christianity is not a comfortable, 
lukewarm existence. It's a radical thing. It really is. So the first point this morning, if you're taking some notes, um, about being what a true disciple of Jesus is. First of all, a disciple touches lepers. A disciple touches lepers. And and you'll say, well, what does that mean? I'll try to explain that for you. In our culture, we don't like to touch or be around anything that's unlovely. You know, um, I don't know about you, if you've stood behind someone in those supermarket queues and they're a bit smelly and you, you tend to go, look, look for another queue where you can get so you're not, not whiffing all those, those fumes. And we just don't like it. You know, I remember as, you know, I used to play soccer a lot and come home from training and, and you try and give the kids a hug and a cuddle and they go flying. You know, they run. They see, here comes a sweaty, smelly dad, you know, and I'm off in the other direction because it's just not nice, that sweat and that smell and, and, uh, and being hugged by that. And we just were uncomfortable with that. And, and we don't want to touch the unlovely things in our lives. The lepers are about as unlovely as they get. We're going to look at a passage, Mark 1, verse 40. Mark 1, verse 40. And it says this, A man with leprosy came to Jesus and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, please, can you make me clean? And what does that word clean mean? Well, in Leviticus 13, a leper would, when they came to a village or a town, they actually had to yell out for people around them, unclean, unclean. They actually had to declare themselves as unclean. And, and everyone would take off. They'd run, you know, and, and, and in every direction. Because they didn't want to be part. They didn't want to be close to those people. They didn't want to, they didn't want to catch what they had, obviously. But they didn't even want to get close to them or, or even find out anything about them. And it's a horrible, disgusting, just a horrible disease. And uh, if you just have a look up there, I grabbed some photos off, off the... Uh, internet just to, to uh, show you just some of those photos of, of some of the, the consequences of, of leprosy. And, and these are nice ones, by the way. I looked at someone and went, no, I cannot put that on the screen. That, that is horrific. It's a horrible, horrible disease. And, um, you know, it make your hands and feet just knobs and stubs and uh, cause oozing sores all over the body. And it starts in your hands and, or your eyes. And it spreads all out through your body. And literally, you, you can't function, you know. And, and that's what you see on the outside. But underneath the skin, this is what's happening. There's real damage taking place in the nerve endings. So you can't actually feel anything. And, and people lose their nerves and their feelings, their hands and their feet. And there's stories of lepers, you know, going to sleep at night in villages. And, and because there's no feeling in their, their fingers and their, their toes, rats would gnaw off fingers and toes during the night. And they wake up in the morning and they'd be missing and some people call them the living dead. So I want to get, I want you to understand the depth of what Jesus is, is saying and doing here for us. Because this is a leper here. This is a leper. This is the one that, that is unclean to Jews, to everyone really, when you think about it. And the disciple touches those who others won't touch. A disciple touches those that others won't touch. And, and that's what Jesus did. And let's have a look in verse 41, because it, it tells us what he did. The Bible says, filled with compassion. Filled with compassion. Now, I want to just say that word, compassion. Just say it, compassion. He's filled with compassion. Now, the Greek word, I can't say the Greek word. I looked it up, and it's about, you know, 20 letters long, and, and I haven't got a clue how to say it. But, but that word is so deep and so filled with understanding for us. And, it, and our word, compassion, in our English doesn't quite crack it, really. Because uh, it's a painful word. It means to have the bowels, have our bowels yearn for a person. 
literally from the inside, you ache with compassion. Down in your gut, it means a deep and and tender mercy. It, It literally means to hurt so much that you're moved to action. And, and that's compassion. That's not just a, oh, that's, that's a shame. No, that's a, oh, that's a, a, a down that, that grunt in your guts, you know, that, that, that concern. I, I don't know if you've got bad news from time, time to time, but, you know, you, you, it actually hits you down here, right down here, and it's amazing. I don't know if you remember seeing that, that movie Hotel Rwanda, you know, and uh, it was a gut-wrenching sh- movie based on a true story uh, a radical battle between the Tutsis and the Hutus and, and in this particular movie the, in this, the hotel manager was a key player in this and he was helping people and protecting them at his own risk and his family's risk and I remember this part of this particular movie, the guy was talking to a reporter, get this and the reporter says oh no, the, the guy from the, the hotel owner says this, when the rest of the world hears the horror of what's going uh, on here they will help. They have to help. They've got to help. And the reporter looked at him and said this, these words. Don't you understand, he said, when the rest of the world hears your story, they'll watch it on TV and they'll say to themselves, oh, that's horrible. What a tragedy. Click. Something more comfortable. Click. What's on? Oh, sport. Click. Anything else. You see, we'll flip the channel to something more comfortable. We just will. And, and that one scene from that movie so disturbed me. I mean, there's much that disturbed me about the movie, but that one's because I recognise it in myself. I recognise that in myself, you know. And I can't tell you how many times a week where I can be watching something or being a part of something, you go, that's horrible. That, that's bad. Click. Should, someone should do something about that. Click. Drive past someone who's in need. And I've got all the resources, all the money, all the time. Nothing's that important I couldn't stop and help them. But I just go click. Oh, yeah, I've got to be at a meeting. Click. Oh, yeah, I've got to get home for dinner. Click. Oh, I've got this happening. Yeah, click. See, we all tend to move towards which that which is comfortable that which is easy, not much resistance. Don't want to put myself out here. Don't want to risk too much here. Don't want to sacrifice too much here. Hmm. You see, and that might be okay for a Christian. But I'm telling you, it's not okay as a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's not okay as the follower of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. It is not okay. Let God challenge you this morning about what is okay and what's not okay from this point forward. You know, we have to respond to those people in our lives that are unlovely, that are the lepers, that people don't want to be around. I don't know what it is for you, but but maybe I've just tried to think of some things here, and and we're we're so blessed in this area. We, We really... Just crazy, really, when you think about it. But it might be a, a, a person dying of AIDS, for instance, you know, and, and it's not so, you don't seem to hear much about these days. But, but you know, we, we often think, oh, well, how'd he get that? You know, I don't want to have anything to do with that. And, and, and there's homeless people and there's people in jail that we hear about and know about. 
You know, there's the older people who are forgotten and lonely and they need someone in their lives because they've got no one. I mean, Claire was talking about something about that uh, yesterday. Our daughter is an OT and, and she said, I, I just get stunned from time to time because these people have got no one in their lives. When they go to write down the next of kin, they've got no one. No one. They can't think of anyone to write in that box. He said, it's so sad, Dad. It's so sad. He said, I am taking notice of who those isolated people are now. I actually see them, and I want to make sure I make a difference in those lives. And it's the way we should live our lives. You know, for you, it might be just that obnoxious person that just talks and talks and talks and never gets out of your face, and they're the unlovely for you. You know, maybe it's that person that... that is that smelly person in the, the supermarket line that you're behind and you go, oh, no, I can't, I've got to get out of here. It stinks, you know. Whatever it is, a disciple touches lepers. A disciple reaches out and touches those people who are unlovely that other people won't touch. Second point. A disciple also befriends sinners and prostitutes and, and, and tax collectors you know, and, uh, and they're really bad people. And you go, well, how can I keep myself pure and holy if I actually touch those people, if I reach out to those people? It's what we're meant to do. We're not supposed to keep ourselves in this holy bubble, this Christian holy bubble where nothing touches us and we don't touch anything. It's not meant to be like that. You know, Matthew 9 verse 10. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. Who was Jesus hanging out with? He was hanging out not with the religious folks, not with the religious ones, because there's lots of them around, but with the sinners. You know, whether it was the woman at the well who'd been, he, she'd been with a lot of men, you know, and, uh, and, or the woman caught in adultery and, and all the, the religious guys wanted to stone her and kill her and... Uh, or, or was it the tax collectors? Or was it the prostitute that threw herself at Jesus' feet? You know, there's so many, so many examples of that all through the scriptures. Jesus is getting alongside and befriending the sinners, you know? And somehow, somehow, we've sanitized our Christianity. Somehow over the years, we've started to live in this affluent lifestyle that just doesn't allow us to even think about other people but ourselves and it's so selfish it's so selfish and i'm telling you if we are to be disciples and followers of jesus christ we've got to get ourselves out of that mindset we've got to start living our lives like jesus would want us to live our lives and i know it's challenging i know no one wants that uncomfortable thing really but I'm telling you, if we are really disciples of Jesus Christ, if we are really followers, we cannot ignore it. We cannot any longer ignore it. We cannot drive past. We cannot click under the next channel. We just can't. We just can't. You know, so often we want to live in our Christian bubbles. We lose touch with those sorts of people. We forget why Jesus came to this earth. We forget all about that and we start to get inward looking and self-focused and, and we are self-important. And I'm telling you, it's not about that. It's about other people. It's about loving our God and then loving people because of that love we have for our God. And we, it's okay, we can enjoy ourselves on the way down. It doesn't have to be all sacrifice and dour and, and, and struggle. 
we can actually have a good time doing it. I'm telling you, we can. And the Pharisees were really ticked off that Jesus hung around with the sinners. You know, in verse 11 to 13 in that same scripture, you know, Matthew 9, when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with the tax collectors and the sinners? And Jesus goes on and says, it's not health, not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. For I've not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. Instead of drifting away from that sort of person, we should be drifting towards them. Disciples, befriend sinners, prostitutes, tax collectors. And I know we have trouble equating that in these modern days, but it's the people who are unlovely. It's the people that other people ignore, that keep away from. It's the ones that, that, that look like there's a risk having any contact with them. They're the ones we should be reaching out to. Here's a challenge for you. When was the last time you had a, a, a non-believer in your home? And I'm not talking about a plumber or electrician that comes to fix something. I'm saying, who one of you had someone in your home that isn't a Christian that, that, that doesn't, that's safe to have in your home? When was the last time that happened? You know, when was the time, last time you started to open your life up to someone like that? Start doing something with them or something for them with that sort of person. When, when was it? When was the last time you checked? When, when were you challenged to do that? And, and did you ignore it? Did you just step into it? You see, because here's the deal. We all need Jesus. It doesn't matter where we are in our journey. We all need Jesus. We're all like that. The disciple cares so much that he or she will touch lepers. He will or, or she will befriend sinners and prostitutes and hang around with people that are probably less than desirable without worrying about too much about our reputations and that sort of stuff. If you're taking those, here's the third point. Disciple also offends Pharisees. I love this point. I love offending Pharisees. I, I just enjoy it. I, I just think it's great. You see, we'll touch lepers. We'll befriend sinners and prostitutes and we'll offend Pharisees. And I seem to be pretty good at that, actually. And, uh, and I find... There's a, a, a religious spirit in church that can occur sometimes and, and, and legalistic and, and overly religious, churchy type people. Um, they forgot why Jesus came. They forgot. They've turned into Pharisees. Luke 13, verses 10 and, and, and verse 12. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching one of the synagogues and a woman there, and there was a woman there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. Then Jesus put his hand on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Now, what have you thought about this? This woman had, had been crippled over for 18 years. This isn't like a day or a week. Oh, I'll just go to the chiropractor, I'll get it fixed up. No, 18 years. And, uh, and it was on the Sabbath, see, and you can't do any work on the Sabbath. This is, this is funny. And, uh, and, and Jesus teaching in the synagogue, and that woman's there, and he, he heals her, and... Uh, and so here's the question, talking about influence, is that good or is that bad? You know, that, that's the question. See, this woman, 18 years, been crippled. Is that good or bad? Jesus touches her, heals her, and, and the answer depends on who you ask. You see, for disciples, we go, yes, amen, fantastic. You ask the Pharisees, though, they got way out of shape. See, they're much more interested in control. They're much more interested in 
in the rules, the regulations, being religious, and, uh, and, and you know, they're much more saying, well, you can't do any work on the Sabbath. How dare you? You know, this woman's only been crippled over for 18 years, but how dare you do anything on the Sabbath? And, and, and let's have a look at verse 14 in, in Luke 13. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue ruler said to the people, there are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. How dare you? And, uh, you know, I just think it's funny. You know, Jesus another time healed someone on the Sabbath, the, the guy with the shriveled hand. And, uh, and, the, and, and the Pharisees got way out of shape again. And, and the thing was, <laughs> they, they, were, they were threatening to kill Jesus. They are actually maneuvering to kill him. So it was okay to do that, but it wasn't, wasn't good to heal on the, on the Sabbath. I, I just think we get way out of shape in our thinking if we're not careful. And I'm convinced that the closer we get to the true heart of Jesus Christ as disciples, as followers, the more offensive we get to the overly critical, judgmental, religious people around us. Like we just do. If we live like Jesus, we're going to offend people. We will. And it's okay. It's okay. You, you know, there's time when I thought, man, do we have to do ministry like this? Do we have to do life like this? You know, someone gets out of shape with you and you offend someone and, and, and it's painful. You know, it's, it, it's not supposed to be personal, but it is. You know, you feel, just feel the pain. And, uh, and, and I remember getting this sort of revelation. It's based around what this whole preaching series is. Now, actually, to be really influential, to really engage our community and our world, who is really apathetic about Jesus, who, who really doesn't think about God very much, we have to go where they must go, speak the language that they speak, um, take Jesus into this world aggressively, you know, proactively, without hesitation, without reservation, without, without watering down at all. Not changing the message at all, but sometimes we've got to get out of our church mindset and go, you know, there's more to it than this. There has to be. There has to be. Taking Jesus into the world without compromise, of course. I'm not saying compromise at all. I'm not saying that. I am saying, though, confront those hard issues head on. And when the controversy comes, when the persecution comes, it's okay. It's okay. You, you'll survive. I'm telling you, you will. And it's one of the greatest honors to hurt for Jesus, I reckon, for the cause of Jesus. And our hurt, our pain is so small in comparison to the price that's been paid for us, the sacrifice that's been won for us. And uh, here's the question, though. I'm just about finished. Are you ready to be a disciple? Are you ready to be a disciple, really? You know, it's not a, a sanitized... cultural Christian. That's not what it is. It's a radical disciple and follower of Jesus Christ. Now Jesus says, says, if you want to follow me, you have to take up your cross. If you want to follow me, it's going to cost you something. Consider the cost. Consider that. Don't do it quickly. Don't consider it too quickly and, and take action. But here's the thing, church, and this is always a dangerous thing for a pastor, but I refuse to be a church of cultural Christians. I refuse to be a church that is just turning up here on a Sunday morning and doing the, the pattern or the habit of worship. 
I refuse to, I don't want to be part of that. That's, that's, not, that's not what we should be doing as far as I'm concerned. And I get that you might not understand that and, and I pray God might show you some revelation of that that can, that can move us closer together. But I, I, it's not about that. It's not about putting on the facade of a Christian. It's not about being a do-gooder. You see, to be a true disciple and follower of Jesus Christ, it's just about as rebellious as you can get because it's countercultural. It's counterintuitive. It's not something that easily comes for us. But we have to be proactive in making a positive influence in our community and world if we are serious about this thing. Seriously, if we are, we, we have to live our lives differently. We have to behave differently. We have to think differently to the world. Let's stand. Let's stand. You know, there's a few points there this morning. You want to be a disciple of Jesus, touch the lepers. You want to be a disciple, a true disciple, you know, befriend the sinners. If you want to be a disciple, you probably will offend those religious people in your lives, the Pharisees. Let's pray. Father, we pray for your holy presence right now here with us. God, we ask you to do in us that which we probably can't do in ourselves, God. God, give us a, a, a revelation of what, of how you would want us to live our lives. God, help us be disciples and followers of yours, Lord. I mean, Lord, let us count the cost first. Let us understand what it's going to cost. But God, when we do, let us be on fire for you, God. Let us live our lives like different to the world. Let us make a difference in those people that we touch even those unlovely ones, God, in our lives. Even those ones, Father. Let, let us touch those ones that are, uh, are, are so out there, that are, that are sinners, that uh, uh, really none of the world even wants to have anything to do with them. God, let us be, oh, let us just scoot them up as you want them scooped up, Lord. Unconditional love. Unconditional love. And Father, when, when we offend people because of that, God, let us understand it's just part of the journey that there will be persecution from time to time. But you know what? That's what we're called to do. And just a little bit of resistance isn't going to change our course. Just a little bit of short-term pain isn't going to make the long-term difference. We're going to rise above that. We're going to be as you want us to be, Lord. As you've shown us, you've modeled for us, God. As you've put in your words so we can read it and meditate on it. God, we want to reach out to those unlovely people. We want to be in contact with those sinners, God, to make a difference in their lives, to positively influence them, Jesus. And God, we, we, we don't intentionally want to offend anyone, but God, it does happen sometimes. So Father, let us be that sort of church. Let us, if you want to be that sort of disciple, that sort of follower, that sort of Christian, I... I, I with all eyes closed, I just want you to make that declaration today and, and count the cost. Don't make this decision quickly. But if you've already made that in your heart and in your mind, I just want you to put your hand in the air and go, you know what, that's me. I want to live this life beyond what I'm currently living. I want to see what you see, Jesus. I want to touch those people that you would want touched, Jesus. Let us be that sort of church.
Let us be that sort of church, Jesus. Light a fire in our hearts. God, break our hearts for the unlovely people in this, in this community, in this world. God, break our hearts. Break our hearts for those sinners in this place, God, that don't know you, Lord. And, 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 and you know, that, that's the majority of the people in Port Stephens, God. Break our hearts for them. Work out how we can get alongside them, Lord. Befriend them, Father. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in us and through us, Lord. But yet there is more. Yet there is more. We thank you for what's happening right now. But God, you have called us to greater things, God. Greater things. Greater beyond things. And we will not hold back. We will not hold back. We'll work with you, God. We'll, we'll, we'll press into you. We'll draw near to you in this process. Thank you, Jesus. And for you this morning, maybe you've never made that decision to follow Jesus, to be a disciple of Jesus. And you know you've never done that or you've done it. And you just feel like I've fallen away. Just not doing that anymore. If that's you this morning, I just want you to put your hand in the air because I just want to recognize here's a change. Here's a time for, for change in your life. If that's you this morning, just stick your hand up and we'll recognize it and, and we'll, we'll pray for you at the end of the service. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You are an awesome God. We thank you so much for what you're doing in our hearts right now, God. Father, we pray that it is set in. It is sealed in there now, God. It will not be changed by the world as we walk out the door here by next week or next month or next year, God. We know you're calling us to do what you have called us to do for a purpose beyond our current understanding. And God, we give you permission to do in us what you want us to do, God. Father, we, we pray that we are strong and courageous in the process of that, Lord. Strong and courageous. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God a great big clap this morning. Come on. Thanks for listening to the message today brought to you by Baylife Church. We hope the message leaves you feeling challenged and inspired to live out your Christian walk. Please tune in again for next week's message.